Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, transformed by the renewing of our minds, part 3. Let's read the verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In the past two weeks, we considered what it means for us to worship God as we offer our whole beings as holy and pleasing living sacrifices to him. We offer our bodies to him. This morning, we're going to consider this next phrase, do not conform to the pattern of the world. And we'll work through this phrase in reverse order by understanding these words, world, pattern, and conform. Right? So that's where we are. Now, the word translated as world in this verse is not cosmos or the created world. That's not the word that's used here. Instead, the word that is used here is the word ion or age, which is not referring to or not referring merely to a period of time, but rather to the thoughts, opinions, impulses, and desires that are present in the world at any given time. So what Paul is referring to here is he's talking about the prevailing worldview, the philosophies and the perspectives of the times that we're living in. So you can see why Paul is using this word ion when he refers to not being conformed to the pattern of this world, because he's speaking about the transformation of our minds. So it's all about worldview, thoughts and ideas and philosophies and perspectives. And so that's what he's referring to here. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus, and we encountered these believers. We came to know about these believers when we studied the book of Ephesians and when we studied the book of Acts. And Paul is writing to them in Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. He says to them, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What's Paul warning us about? 
there are evil spirits at work in every day and age, time, who are scheming, who are doing everything that they can do to get us to think contrary to the word of God. That's the devil's plan, his scheme. So how can we discern and be wise about the devil's schemes? We seek the Lord's wisdom to discern what is of the Lord and what is of the world and then not to be conformed to the patterns or the things of this world. So which brings us to the first of our three words, world. And world here as we're thinking about it is about that word world is about our own allegiance and our own desires. World is about our own allegiance and our own desires. Now, a worldview or a way or a path of thinking or the ways of the world, a worldview by itself is powerless. It's just a way of thinking. It's ways, it's something that someone has articulated. It may be demonically influenced or not, but it's just simply there. It is a philosophy, it is a way of thinking that is, you know, for a period of time, and then something else comes along, and then someone comes up with some new ideas and so on. But on its own, it has no power over us. It is when we subscribe, when we adhere, when we adopt that way of thinking. When we believe those statements, those philosophies, those perspectives, when we give in to those, when we adopt that worldview, then it affects our behavior. So then it starts to affect how we think. And then because of how we think, we start to behave in a specific way. We speak in a certain way and so on. So the ways of the world or the philosophies of the world affect us primarily in two ways, through what we give our lives to and our own desires. Now in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, so that we may better understand this, let's go back to Ephesians chapter two, verses one to three. We read this a long, long time ago as we were going through the Ephesians series, but it says this, and it's very important and relevant for us here. As for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air or the ruler or the spirit of this age. Some translations even use that phrase. So you were dead in your transgressions and sins when you used to follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So there is an evil influence in the world that is that is leading to, that is contributing to the ways of the world, and it works in those who are disobedient. Disobedient towards whom? Disobedient towards God. And he continues here, all of us, also lived among them, the people of the world, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. 
So we lived in the world or we followed the ways of the world by giving in to the prince of this world or the kingdom, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of this age. We gave in to that and we gave in to our cravings, our own desires. Now, when we think about the world, when we talk about the world, when we talk about being free from the world or separate from the world or you know, being holy, and we've talked about these things even last week when we said we have to be consecrated, we have to be holy, we have to be set apart for God. When we think of the world in that context, we tend to think of other people and other places and other things as worldly. They are the things that we should avoid, we should stay away from. These are the things that can contaminate us, and we should keep ourselves pure. And by all means, and even as we spoke about in the previous weeks, we have to do that. We have to be accountable to that. We have to be diligent about that. We have to consider what may contaminate us, and we have to pay attention to all of those things. But if the way that we tend to think about other things, other things in the world around us, the way we say that to ourselves then is that if only I can keep away from those people, those double-minded people, those worldly people, if only I can keep away from them, then I'll be okay. And if I can just keep my children from being influenced by worldly friends and worldly influence, then they'll be okay. And so we, we, we put ourselves in a position that is different from all of those influences. And we say, if only I can keep away from all of those things, then I'll be okay. But notice what the word of God is saying here in Ephesians. We follow the ways of the world when we give into the spirit of the age, when we allow the devil to work to, in us to lead us into disobedience, and we follow the ways of the world when we give into our own desires and thoughts, when we gratify the cravings of our own flesh. The things of the world, the influences of the world, are not, in the, for the most part, the cause or the initiation of these things, they encourage us to pursue our own cravings, our own desires. And I'm not saying that there aren't evil external influences. There are. Demons are real. But let's first and foremost evaluate our internal influences. Don't blame somebody else first. Don't blame something else. Don't point to the devil in the world and you know, everybody else. First and foremost, let's look and see where we stand. It's not so much about everyone else as it is about my own allegiance. Who is the Lord of my life? Who have I yielded my life to? Who am I actually submitted to? Who is master over me? So it's my own allegiance and my own desires. Have my desires been crucified in Christ or are they raging wildly out of control in my life? Before I start to look anywhere else, I need to consider when I think about the world and its influences and the ways of the world, I need to consider where are my allegiances and where are my desires? All right, now for the second word, pattern. The, the phrase that we looked at was, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So pattern has to do with reference and repetition. Pattern has to do with reference and 
repetition. A pattern can be two things. It can be a model or a design or a reference that is then copied or used. When we think of a dress pattern, you know, there's a dress pattern and then the tailor stitches the dress according to that pattern. You know, we have other examples. We talk about like father, like son. You know, we say, oh, that, that child is following or imitating or copying the pattern of life that they've seen in their father, right? And they follow that same example. They're doing the same thing. And in the Bible, we see some very specific examples of patterns. For example, God gave Noah a very specific pattern, a design by which Noah was to build the ark. God gave Moses a very specific pattern for how the tabernacle was to be constructed. When Jesus, when, when Jesus was praying and he had this incredible lifestyle of prayer, and it's very interesting that when the disciples came to him, they didn't say, they didn't ask him for many other things. They asked him, they said, teach us how to pray. And so when, the, when they asked him, teach us how to pray, Jesus gave them a pattern of prayer for prayer. That is what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. So a pattern is something that is a point of reference for us. But a pattern is also what results from repeating a design or repeating a, a set of actions. We keep doing those things. We keep repeating that. And through that repetition, a pattern is formed. So as you keep drawing lines in a certain way, you may draw some design, a pattern. As you keep doing a certain things, a pattern of action is, is set up, a rut is formed. But we have these patterns that are caused or, or come into being because of this repetition. So you have these points of reference where you imitate, you have these patterns, or you may have repeated activity that leads to patterns being formed. Needless to say, there are both godly and ungodly patterns all around us. There are many, many patterns all around us. It, by the way, it is fascinating to note how creation, the cosmos, the created world, has indeed been set up with such intricate patterns. You will find all sorts of references, scientific references, to these incredible patterns that are in the world around us and what animals and fish and birds, what they do and how they live that are following a pattern and how they live in patterns of life and so on. It's just amazing so to see that. But in all of these things, there are godly and ungodly patterns all around us. There are ungodly and godly points of reference, models and designs. And as we adopt these patterns, so we're influenced by the ways of the world, we're doing these things, we give into our desires, but as we start to adopt patterns of behavior, patterns that are around us, they start to become the way that we think, that we speak, and that we behave, right? And so then, finally, this third word that we want to look at is the word conform. And that serves as our point of application. And so here, this word conform that's, that is in this phrase here, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. We respond and apply 
the word of God that we hear by not conforming to the pattern of this world. We respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by not conforming to the pattern of the world. You see, to conform to a pattern, to conform in any way to something that is that is that we see is where we would match our attitudes, our beliefs, and our behaviors to whatever that pattern specifies. So instead of having us our own definition for something, if we say, oh, here's the pattern that I'm going to follow, here's what I'm going to go after, then we start to match. We start to come into sync with those attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, and we look to that to direct how we behave and what we do. Now, we can choose to conform to the patterns of this world, but those patterns, as you see, as you know, as you have experienced for yourself, those patterns are really self-serving. You will find that the best counsel and the best sort of things in the world around us that speak to how we should be in our careers, how we should live our lives, what we should pursue, they really are at its core, self-serving, self-centered, and selfish. Or we can choose to conform to the pattern of God's word that teaches us to die to self and to serve God and serve others. Every night for the past 15 nights, we have been praying through the sections of Psalm 119, through 15 sections of Psalm 119. And again and again in this Psalm, we read how God has given us his pattern to follow. Multiple references, multiple words that come up that way. And I want to read just a few verses from Psalm 119 that that speak to this idea of patterns. And here in verse 9 through 11, Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11, it says, how can a young person stay on the path, the way, the pattern of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you that the pattern of my life will be in accordance with your word, with what would allow me to be holy and pleasing to you, with what would allow me to be found in your presence. What is sinful cannot be in the presence of a holy God, a pure God, but when we are blameless before God, when we are cleansed and purified before him, we come into his presence, that allows us to come into his presence in a beautiful, wonderful, life-giving way. Let me keep reading a few more verses from Psalm 119, verses 35 through 37. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. When the pattern of God is given to us, when the pattern of his word is made available to us, when the pattern for godly living is freely given, oh, that path, that way, that pattern Oh, we find delight in it. And then continuing, verse 36, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. 
turn my eyes away from worthless things, preserve my life according to your word. So what are the patterns of the world that the word of God identifies for us so that we would not give into or model our lives after those patterns, but instead we would be modeling our life, we would be patterning our life, we would be conforming to the word of God. So what are those patterns that are clearly called out in the word of God as those that we should avoid, that we should not conform to? Well, I'm gonna go through four areas in which we are to safeguard our hearts and our minds, right? There are many more things that could be said, and I'm sure as you're looking at things, and especially as the Lord is speaking to you, you may notice other patterns, other philosophies, other ways of thinking that you need to stay away from, that you need to be careful not to conform to, not to be shaped in that particular pattern. And so here are four areas that we need to safeguard. The first one has to do with who God is and why he is the only living, true and living God, the only God. And that first area has to do with idols. It's where we would take an image or representation of God and worship that instead of God himself. We would worship the creation instead of the creator. We would, and, and you know, we can look at ourselves today and say, well, we're not bowing down before an idol. But the Bible makes it very clear that when we take people or things or activities or ambitions and we make them so important that those things, those people, those things, those activities, those ambitions, those are what are revered. Those are what are idolized. Those are what are admired. Those are what are loved or pursued instead of God, we have essentially allowed those things to take the place of God. The first commandment and the way that the commandments even are known to us is that God says to us, don't have any other God other than me or before me. I am who I am. I am the true and living God. I am the living God and you should worship only me. So the moment we have idols in our life, anything that essentially takes the place of God, that is going to be where we are conforming to the pattern of the world and not to the pattern of God. The second area has to do with the, not just who God is, but what he means to us, his character, his attributes. And so the second area has to do with fear and correspondingly or very closely associated with fear, the ideas of doubt and unbelief. The Bible constantly reminds us not to be afraid, but instead to put our faith in God. Faith, faith in God, not courage. Not, and when I say courage, you know, typically courage comes from us relying on our own abilities or our own resources. I've gone through the situation before, I'll face this one again. Or I have a gun, I have this, I have that. I'll face this situation. I have courage. And we think about the opposite of fear as being courage. But the Bible makes it very clear that the opposite of faith, uh, fear is not courage in the worldly sense. It is faith. 
faith in God, not in our own abilities, our resources, but faith in God. So when we have this area, faith, doubt, upon fear, doubt, and unbelief, and we counter that with faith, we're saying, God, we have faith in you. We have faith that you are good, that you are faithful, that you will keep your promises, that you will do what you have said. We have complete confidence that you are trustworthy, that you are excellent, that you are worthy of our worship. There is a quality of who you are and who, what your attributes are that I don't need to live in fear, in doubt, or in unbelief. For so many other world views, religions, systems of belief, and so on, they are trying to appease a God who you're not quite confident what those God's attributes are. You're not sure if that God is going to be pleased with you or angry with you. You're not sure if this sacrifice that you're making is going to satisfy that God or not. And so you try to keep going up. You know, you try to keep doing more. You try to you know, increase your penances so that you may somehow please that God. The true and living God, Yahweh, our God, is not to be appeased in that way, but rather to be believed for who he is. When he says that he is trustworthy, good, faithful, kind, merciful, forgiving, we can say, oh God, thank you for that. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to do something on my own. So idols, fear. The third area has to do with pride and associated with that being arrogant or pursuing selfish ambition. When we think too highly of ourselves and too poorly of God and others, when our pride causes us to think that we know what is right or that we are doing what is right or that we think that we are better. When in, when in our arrogance, we think that we know better than God, we will end up rebelling against him and disobeying him. You see, pride was the original sin in the Garden of Eden. Disobedience came from the pride. The man and the woman together believed the schemes of the devil when he said, has God really told you this? Has God really done this for you? God is keeping something from you. And if you will eat of this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. And man and woman said, well, I think I know better than what God has said. And I will take this action. We will take this action and it will put us in a better place. They were not doing it to destroy themselves, by the way. They were doing it because they said, when we do this, we will be even better. We'll be like God or even better. And that pride led to their disobedience. So idols, fear, pride. And the fourth area is that of materialism. Living for the things of this world. Living for material pursuits for things that we would go after in our own flesh to crave, to satisfy the cravings of our flesh, but things that could be influenced by the people and fashion and all those other things that we see around us. Last week when I was talking about the body, I said, you know, our body image is influenced by who 
we listen to, what we watch, what we read, how what people are saying. And we tend to want to please them rather than want to please God. And so we do all sorts of different things, even to our own bodies. But here, a similar kind of thing, materialism, that we would pursue money and, and, and riches and all of these things, not so much because we're looking to be good stewards of that. We're not looking to be good stewards of it. We're looking for material gain, something that satisfies these material pursuits. But the things, the, the, the harsh reality is this, the things of this world will never satisfy. And the things of this world are all ultimately going to perish. You, know, you, may, you may have heard this phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's completely wrong. He who dies with the most toys dies. Nothing else happens. Those toys all remain. And somebody else either takes them or they are just discarded. Materialism is never going to satisfy. And material things ultimately all perish. We must not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Instead, we must be transformed. Or to say it in words that are according to the context of this message this morning, we must not be conformed to the pattern of the world. Instead, we must be conformed to the pattern of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, Paul writes this to the young man, Timothy, who he was discipling. And he says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, the fact that he's a sinner, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example, as a pattern for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. For those who would believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and be saved. Jesus gave us a pattern. Jesus lived in this earth in such a way that we can say, Lord, I look to Christ Jesus. I look to how he prayed. I look to how he spoke. I look to how he lived. I look to how he loved. I look to how he gave everything sacrificially. I look to how he offered his body. I look to how he glorified God. And I look to his pattern. And I want to be conformed. To that pattern. I want to live like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I do not want to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather I want to be conformed to the pattern of Jesus Christ. You know, this morning or at any time as you're listening to this, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, if you don't know what he did when he came into this world, if you don't understand what it means that he set a pattern that is the perfect pattern for us to be conformed to, and you don't have to pursue all these other patterns of the world, as good sounding, as, as high you know, sounding as it may be, and no matter what you may look around and you see people in the world that seem to be successful in some way, 
maybe celebrities of some kind, wealthy people of some kind, people in power or people who have prestige or position. And you say, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I want to follow that pattern. If I do that, if I imitate them, I can be the athlete, the star, the politician, the CEO, the whatever that they are. I would challenge you. I would encourage you. Look to Jesus. Let him be the pattern of your life. Let him be the one where you would say, not by the things of this world and not by the patterns of this world, but I am being conformed. I am in a process of being changed to be like Jesus. As we get into this next phrase of being transformed by the renewing of our mind, and as we think about or as we consider what it means to know the will of God, we'll go a little bit more into detail on that. But in this, this message this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to keep coming back to this point that we would be people who say, Lord God, you cause me to be conformed to, Lord, to the Lord Jesus. Jesus came into this world as a man. He lived as fully man. He was fully God and fully man. But he came into this world because even before the creation of this world, God had put a pattern in place. God had put a plan in place. God had put a way of life and of salvation in place. God had put deliverance in place. He had put that in place even before the creation of this world because he knew what human beings would do. And he so desired to be in relationship with us, so loved us that he said, I will make a way for you to be restored to me even though you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because he made a way through Jesus, he said, I will send my own son. I will send, I will come to the earth myself, God incarnate in flesh to live in this earth and then to die as the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we can be born again. So that we can come to him and say, Lord God, I accept what you have done and I receive what you have given me. And because of what you have done for me, I can now by your strength, by your power, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, be conformed to your pattern. This morning, this, or as you listen to this, if you say, Lord Jesus, I, I, I've never done that. I've never given my life to you. I haven't given my allegiance to Christ Jesus. I have been giving my allegiance to so many other things. And even though I didn't explicitly think about it, even though I never said I'm a worshiper of Satan, I really have given my allegiance to the spirit of this age. I have given myself over to the influences of this world. I have pursued all those things. And by giving my allegiances to that, my allegiance to that, I have indulged my desires, my cravings, my lusts. Oh, Lord God, come into my heart. I believe you. I trust you. I see that you have given yourself for me so that I don't need to live like that anymore. But I can come to you and be washed, made new, made a new creation. And I come to you, Lord Jesus, to give me life. Would you, you know, as you're listening, just pray and ask the Lord when prayer is nothing but just talking to him. And in the simplest way possible is to say to him, Lord, 
I accept the sacrifice. I accept your provision. I accept what you have done for me. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. Come and deliver me. Make me new in you. This morning, even as we have sung and as we have prayed and as we have given thanks and as we have acknowledged the goodness of the Lord, oh, let the Lord come and do this work in you. For those of you who have known the Lord, who have accepted him, who have said, Lord God, I, I completely give my life to you. I want to encourage you this morning that you would examine your life to see if there are any patterns of life that are really the patterns of this world. And you would say, Lord God, in which area am I living according to the world and not according to the word? In which area am I conforming? Am I being shaped and molded to look like the world rather than to look like Jesus? In which area am I allowing my attitudes, my speech, my behavior to look like the world and not to look like Jesus? Help me, Lord, reveal those things to me and let there be change in me. Let there be deliverance. Let there be a cleansing. I do not want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to move. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is good. And your word, Lord, delights us. It is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It gives us life. It encourages us. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that as we come to you and we yield to you, Lord God, you give us the power. You give us the wisdom. You give us the discernment. You give us, Lord, the discretion. You give us the diligence to keep running this race in the path, in the way, in the pattern that you have set for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, enable us not to be conformed, not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to truly be conformed to Jesus Christ. In whichever specific way you need to deal with each one of us, we're asking for that. We're coming to you humbly. No pride, no arrogance, no self-sufficiency. We're coming to you, Lord, not afraid that you will condemn us or punish us, but rather saying, oh, Lord God, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. You are my God. Oh, Lord God, all these things of the earth, they will fade away, but you alone remain. I come to you. And as I yield myself to you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, that you hear me and answer my prayer. So we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.